Welcome to Dyke Dive, Last Call. I'm Dr. Marie Cartier, your host on this weekly journey through the vibrant history and culture of lesbian bars and the LGBTQ plus community. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Dr. Marie Cartier, and I'm your host for Dyke Dive. Wow. So I thought tonight we would talk about our first, our first night in a gay bar. What happened? I remember my first, and I have a feeling that a lot of you out there also remembered your first night in a gay bar. My first night in a gay bar was in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and it was a mixed bar but I want to talk tonight about my first night in a lesbian bar. I went with an older woman who I met at the Women's Center at the University of New Hampshire. And we went to this bar in Boston called Somewhere. And Somewhere was really incredible because it was two stories And it was like a big warehouse in a dangerous section of the city. So you would take the subway to, I think, around the aquarium. And then when you got off, you would just be walking over there to this pretty rough section of the city. I would find that out later when I went again. The first time I went, I actually went from the University of New Hampshire in Durham, New Hampshire, to Boston. And I remember walking into that gay bar. I was 21. My girlfriend was 35 and a postal carrier. And we walked into the front door and there was all these women playing pool. And there was that bar where everyone's sitting and you feel like everyone is turning to look at you when you walk in. And there was a little window diner where you could order food. And then we went up the stairs to the second floor. And I think there was 500 women on the dance floor. And I got in the center of those women dancing. And I looked at the woman who brought me and I said, oh, there is a God. (laughs) I had no idea saying that, that all those years later, 30 years later, I would be getting my PhD and interviewing 102 people about what gay bars meant to them. I think so many of us and so many people that I interviewed for Baby You and My Religion felt like they were the only one. And then they go to a gay bar and you're like, wow, not only am I not the only one, there's 30 other people here. There's 50 other people. There's a hundred, there's 500, you know? (laughs) And then you think, are these places like all over the world? And it's just this huge like egg that cracks open and starts to grow and become something. And you realize you're part of a community. And that was an incredible night for me because that's what happened for me that night. I realized I I was part of something. 
Um, and that far from being the only one, I was one among many, many. And that many really cared about what was happening in those spaces. It really meant something to them that we were all there together. I would continue to go to somewhere. And one sort of inside joke for the Boston lesbian community once, because you know I moved to Boston <laughs> after I graduated and kept uh, going to somewhere and to another bar around the corner, Saints. But you could meet a lesbian in Boston and you could say to them, oh, do you, don't I know you from somewhere? If you had a hunch that they were gay or if you might have met them, but more like if you had a hunch, they might be gay. So you'd say, don't I know you from somewhere? And they'd go, somewhere? And you'd go, yeah, somewhere. And you'd both smile. And you would just come out to each other. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of ways that lesbians did that around the country as like a way to figure out, you know, who the other person was. Um, I remember Joan Nussel, the amazing writer, activist, archivist who started the Lesbian Her Story Archives on the East Coast in New York, telling me that she knew she had, quote, made it when she was at this cafe and she was femme identified Joan and she was sitting at this cafe um, and this butch came and sat down next to her and looked over at her and said, hey, how's the sea colony doing these days? And she knew that she had been recognized as a femme and as a lesbian, as a gay woman. And I think that's a big, big thing to feel like you're recognized, to feel like you see other people. I mean, that's what the gay bar did. So your first night is always such a big thing. How do you actually get through that door? Like go through that door, go inside and find out who you are. I mean, in my book, I call that baptism, being seen by somebody as who you are. Um, how I came to somewhere, I thought I would just quickly tell that story because it's really funny. <laughs> I was a sorority girl and I was a Delta Zeta and I had just spent a year on an exchange program in California from the University of New Hampshire. We didn't get to go to Europe. We went to, <laughs> we came to California and I spent a semester in San Diego state and then at Chico state, pretty big party school. And I met my first out lesbians here in California. And then I went back. I mean, I guess I had met lesbians before, but I met lesbians that were in the community and in the California community. And when I went back to New Hampshire, I thought, I really, I want to, like, I think this is who I am. I've met these people. I think I see myself in them. But I was actually living in the sorority for the first time. Well, what I remember um, doing is there was no private phone. This is way before cell phones. So, and there was no private rooms. We slept in bunks, bunk beds. Um, I remember I locked myself in the house mother's office. She had a phone and I called the women's center. And when they picked up, 
I said, um, I think I'm a lesbian, um, but I'm trapped in a sorority. I'm a sorority girl, and I think I'm a lesbian. I'm a lesbian. Can you help me? Can you help me? I think I'm a lesbian, and I'm trapped in the sorority. And I, <laughs> I heard this voice on the other end go, yeah, we could help you. Why don't you come on down? <laughs> I literally went down to the women's center in a sweater set and pearls. And my hair bow matched my skirt. And I remember going to the women's center and poking my head around the corner and saying, um, I'm the, the um, sorority girl from Delta Zeta. Like, you know, there was five other sorority girls, like Kappa Kappa was lined up or tried to, <laughs> and they were like, hi. And one of the women who was hanging out in this in the women's center was this 35-year-old postal carrier. So within two weeks, we had started dating, and she took me to somewhere. The other amazing thing about that time was she also took me to the women's bookstore in Boston Sisterhood. And I found out about these women's music concerts and bookstores. And really, my whole life, there was this whole like way of living, way of being that completely changed. I like really fell down this rabbit hole of lesbian culture. But without a doubt, the gay bar was the center of it the gay bar and meeting people and being at the bar and connecting to other people was the center of it. And when I went, I moved from Boston to upstate New York to a writer's colony to Ohio, uh, Kent State, Ohio with a lover to Colorado for graduate school and then to LA. And in each of those places, the gay bar was the place where I found myself. The gay bar was the place where I found my community. I can remember nights in all those places where I was in a gay bar and where like a song was playing, uh, my first really long-term girlfriend when we were dancing in Colorado. I think it was People's Bar and Cindy Lauper's song came on time after time. That became our song because it was playing in the gay bar <laughs> the night we danced together. And, you know, I just don't think that if you are, I mean, one of the things that came out after Pulse was that if you've never been afraid to hold your, and it was like a meme on Facebook, if you've never been, a been afraid to hold your partner's hand in public, you don't know what it means to be inside a gay bar, like how important it is. And to be able to dance together and to really feel that connection, to feel like you're connecting with someone like, wow, we're going to be together. This is going to be a relationship. I think most people get that feeling from being in a gay bar with somebody for the first time. And that's why that history is so important because we figured out how to be in community. We figured out how to have like connections with other people that were going to be like family. 
you know, I'm still family with a lot of my exes and they're the people that I created like a web of connection with. And it really matters, those gay bar spaces and your first night, because your first night is when you actually figured out, wow, this exists, this like network of community centers of places where I can meet people like me. And I had no idea that there were people like me. And so I think about all those places across the country that I went to and places where I would go, like uh, when I was in Europe, when I was in Paris, when I was in Amsterdam, Berlin, like I want to go to the gay bar. I want to see the other people who are in the gay bar. I want to see like my community. And one thing I know about being in a gay bar, even if it's a place I've never been, is that I will feel some measure of being home. I'll feel like, oh, like I'm here in this bar in Paris. I know like one person I've come with, but in some ways I feel like I kind of know everybody sort of because we're all here together and, and we matter to each other. So I think it's important to remember what was that first gay bar Did you park far away and have to, you know, go up to the door several times, see if you could actually get down the stairs or up the stairs? Um, Did you park close or far away? I mean, those were all so, such big, big considerations back then. And it mattered, what mattered was that you finally, (laughs) you finally got through that door, you know? One thing that I think changed uh, when I started going to the gay bar is that often a woman was at the door. A woman was uh, checking your ID or saying, how you doing? Or, you know, and I think for some of the people um, before, I mean, I was coming out in 1979. Before that time, certainly in the 50s and 60s, early 70s, you would have a man at the door who was... um, maybe welcoming, maybe not welcoming, but helping keep the place open. So I think it's something to think about. Who was your first? Where was your first? Do you remember it? What the place smelled like? What it looked like? You know, those faces turned to you, especially those ones turned to you for the first time where it felt like, wow, I'm here and there's other people like me. And I'm going to stay here. I'm going to figure out this place because I want to be here. Take a second and tell us your first. Go to the website. Tell us your first. This is Marie Cartier saying cheers, everybody. Thanks for tuning into Dyke Dive. Don't forget to join us next week as we explore more hidden histories of queer spaces. Love what you heard? Don't forget to subscribe and help spread the word by leaving a review and visiting us on our website, dykedive.com. This is Dr. Marie Cartier signing off. Cheers, everybody.